Hello everyone, welcome to my show, Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian entrepreneurs and interesting allies that I meet in my life. Today I have with me a very special guest, Surabhi Lal. Surabhi Lal is a storyteller, a facilitator, a consultant who's in the business of the future of work for individuals, teams and organizations. She's currently the Chief Impact Officer at Luminary, which is a nationally recognized collaboration hub dedicated to advancing women through community. She's also an adjunct professor at New York University's Robert F. Wagner's Graduate School of Public Service, where she teaches courses that focus on management, leadership, workplace effectiveness, and career development. Surabhi loves to dance in the kitchen, cook, and as well as do a lot of fun and interesting things. Let's go further and explore what Surabhi Lal has to say on our podcast. Welcome to the show, Surabhi. Thank you so much, Priyanka. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure to have you on our show. And Surabhi, you come across as somebody who's very passionate about women, about equity, empathy, and public service. And I love interacting with such fabulous women. And for our listeners out there, Surabhi is always interested in helping fellow women succeed. Thank you. I'm excited to get into our conversation. Thank you. So Surabhi, let me start from your childhood. I know you grew up in the suburban parts of Washington, D.C. here in the U.S., but you also have family and roots back in Delhi. And as Surabhi spent her experiences in her childhood traversing between DC and the hot Delhi summers, we want to know how that experience helped shape your interest in equity, empathy, and public service. I think it's, I mean, it's all connected and it goes back to, to really my childhood. So I grew up in suburban DC in two very different neighborhoods. One that was a mixed um, class and race neighborhood and one that was more wealthy and predominantly white. And so I had exposure to two very different neighborhoods and then layered on top of that, I had exposure to spending summers in India, which I have brilliant, brilliant memories of all sorts of things about spending the summers in India besides the heat and the bugs that, of course, are ever-present. Um, but things like, you know, eating alukitiki on the street, things like sleeping on the roof and uh, the veranda and playing with my cousins. And as an only child, it was really the time in my life where I felt like I had this strong unity of siblings that were in the same house as I was. Um, so one of the things that I really gained from that experience was an exposure to the different ways in which people live. And if I think particularly about between the suburb, between suburban DC and Delhi, there were structural infrastructure things that were really um, left an imprint on me. So I remember needing to take a bath at a certain time because otherwise the water wouldn't, wouldn't come, um, that the electricity would go out. And growing up in suburban DC, those things were never an issue in my mind. You know, if you wanted to take a shower at midnight, you could take a shower at midnight. There was always water. So this expectation um, that there was always this infrastructure, both around electricity and around water, um, really stuck with me as, you know, there's something going on here. And it isn't about technology, everybody has it, but also about access. And even seeing kids who looked exactly like me, 
that we're living a very different life. Um, so I remember seeing a little girl who's about my age with a really dirty, dusty frock on thinking that could be me. Like she's my age. She looks like me. And what's going on? So that really got me interested in ideas of equity and inequity and development. Um, and also, I think moving between a lot of different communities, particularly as an only child, I played a number of roles. One is really trying to connect with all of those people, which is where my empathy comes from. I think a lot of where my empathy and my empathy skills come from, because it isn't just a trait, it's also something that we need to practice and we need to practice every day. And we can talk more about that as we go on. Um, but also this idea of being a translator and thinking to myself, what's going on here? Why is this this way? Why is it that way? And ultimately has led me to um, positions and areas where I really want to develop senses and communities and cultures of belonging because I know what it feels like to not belong. And I use that feeling to really drive my actions to build community. And the public service piece is really just that. We gotta make things better. We have to make our lives better. And we can absolutely do that. And some issues are individual, they're interpersonal, and some issues are much larger on a structural level. So I think growing up in those multiple arenas and having those experiences really did impact what drives me. Thank you, Surabish, for sharing those childhood experiences. And as I look back as somebody who grew up in India, I can resonate to a lot of basic infrastructure issues, be it the road transportation, electricity, water, which is still a challenge in a lot of ongoing areas. And today, as we live in the US, you know, the infrastructure is way better, but we take a lot of things for granted, right? So it's always nice to retrospect with empathy about how people still suffer in different parts of the world for just getting their basic needs met. And I also like the fact that at such a tender age, you had the emotional maturity to really understand these kinds of issues. So that's really uh, incredible about how you processed a lot of these different things that you saw. Now, I'm interested about the community aspect that you mentioned. And I know as an undergrad student of agricultural economics, you were, co you were quite involved in the college community. And now as you reflect back today as the chief impact officer at Luminary, how did those experiences really shape who you are today? Yeah, I, so I went into agricultural economics really because of the thinking about infrastructure. It was the closest, it was the closest major at that point, um, course of study to international development. So, you know, because of this exposure back and forth between the U.S., um, suburban D.C., and, and India, mostly in Delhi and its surroundings, um, and the NCR National Capital Region, I really did have a sense that there has to be an international development focus or way to solve this problem. And as I went through my tenure in school, I also became very involved in the school community as a resident advisor, as somebody who is an orientation leader, and as a member of student organizations, and realized I'm spending just as much, if not more, time and energy in those spaces, building these interpersonal communities where I want people to thrive. And so when it came time to choosing graduate school, I decided to go the education route. 
And what I realized is that I am at my core and still am in many, many ways an educator, which is I want the people around me to grow. I want people to learn and I want people to win. And, and to me, that is really what an educator does. You know, they're a conduit for making all of those things happen. And at Luminary, it's very similar. As a chief impact officer, I am thinking about how we build community at the organization, I'm looking at how do we help people grow? You know, we did over 200 programs in our first year of operation, which is an area that I oversaw, and really thinking, how do we give people tools and skills to grow in their own career? And part of that is because I believe in lifelong learning as an essential skill. And if you ask me what I think about the future of work, I would tell you that I think the future of work is community and learning. So the ability to grow, the ability to learn and really underlaid with this idea that community is about belonging and it's about bringing diverse groups of people together to feel that community of belonging. And that's something I've done since college. So that's, that's how we've gone from international development to thinking about where I am today. The other piece that is really important to me is, is just this idea of public service. And that goes to the educator piece. You know, like I said, for me, being an educator is about helping other people grow, building a community of learners, and having everyone win in whatever their win is that day. And some of that is about public service as well. How do we make things better? So as you speak about public service, you know, one recurring theme that I'm hearing based on our conversation here is leadership. From a very young age, you've looked at social issues, and then you've also looked at, you know, how can you play an integral part in addressing these social issues, be it equity, empathy, and public service. Now, what would be three tips if I would ask you to share about, you know, how do you act as a leader and acting from a place of authenticity? What would be three tips that you can share with our listeners? So, you know, authenticity is a really interesting topic and people have all sorts of thoughts about, can you do that? Can you not? Um, and, for me, I'll define authenticity as it relates for me. For me, authenticity is about not having to put any of my integrity on the line. So how you get me in my pajamas and how you get me at a fancy party, how you get me at a wedding and how you get me at dinner with friends, it's all authentically me, but there may be pieces of me that are different that are shared in each of those areas. So I think the authenticity piece, part of it, and much of it, and this is about leadership as well, is knowing yourself. So what are the things for you that make you feel authentic? So there is a level of self-awareness that is required to be a leader. And when you are self-aware, it can be really, really empowering, but the journey to be there is also scary because you need to sit with yourself. And sometimes you're not going to like the things that you see and you realize those are things you need to change. And it's also scary because sometimes it's very different than your idea of leadership and who you are may be different than what people around you are telling you. But all of those are great information points to understand who you are and to really know yourself and lead with authenticity. So I would say leadership starts with yourself. Authenticity starts with yourself. However, there's so many external factors. Um, I hear from so many people that it's, it's easier to be authentic in some areas than it is in others. And so this is where ideas about equity and inclusion come in. And so if you are working in a workplace that has a mold 
for who succeeds and you don't look like that mold, then you are going to have to hide some areas of who you are. And I think the other piece of leadership is thinking about how do you act in any given circumstance. So I think as leaders, we have an opportunity. Um, and I see leadership not as a positional title, but really as, a, as an attribute and something that you can bring on. So it doesn't matter where you sit in an organization. That you have a choice from that seat, whether it's okay for you to be there, even if things are maybe not exactly as ideal as you want them to be. You have a choice to raise your voice or you have a choice to leave. And all of those are right decisions depending on the situation and depending on your own integrity and your own goals at the moment. Um, so again, all of that leadership going back to yourself. And I think the other one for me is really to practice empathy. And I say practice empathy with intention. Uh, I think a lot of people say, oh, empathy, empathy, empathy. You know, certainly if you read a lot of things in leadership right now, it's about empathy, empathy, empathy. But they don't talk about the practice of empathy. And the practice of empathy is something that happens every single day. It's not a two-hour workshop. Um, so for me, practicing empathy is understanding my own feelings. And so it's understanding my feelings and listening to somebody else and starting to understand how they might be feeling. And that means opening your heart. And if your heart isn't ready to be open, it's very hard to be empathetic to somebody else. And it's really, really hard to listen to someone else if you can't pause some of what's going on in your head in that moment when you're listening. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion and it doesn't mean that you're not uh, otherwise thinking about other things, but active listening is really listening to understand. And understanding that your experience and my experience may be really different, but for both of us, there are truth. And to be able to sit with that can be uncomfortable. So I, that's what I mean by practicing empathy. It isn't, oh, I hear you. Like, Priyanka, I hear you. Yeah, that's hard. And let's move on to the next topic. You're not going to feel heard. And that's certainly not a good practice of empathy. And one of the challenges that we face in our fast-paced life is we usually say the word, I hear you. And then just, as you mentioned, move on to the next thing. But, you know, sitting within yourself and feeling your fears and let those fears and your feelings be, you know, within you and then just being okay with it. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. We just try to run away from that feeling of discomfort when somebody else has a difference of opinion on what you want to achieve. And I think the millennial generation, a lot of us, you know, trying to wrap our hands around that concept of empathy I really love the fact that it's not just waiting for others to show empathy on you, but you being open towards empathizing with what somebody else is going through and just being kind and courteous. I think that's one of the, the traits that we'll have to continue inculcating as a lifelong learner. That's right. That's right. I think the other piece of leadership is, is the continual learning. So learning about yourself, yes. Learning about other people, yes. Um, learning about other people can often help you learn about yourself. and just this idea that there's always something to learn and, and there is some science behind that. You know, we learn when we're feeling a little bit of discomfort. And so it has to be a sense of discomfort where we feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. But if we felt completely comfortable, we wouldn't learn. So I think that learning goes hand in hand with, with leading. So knowing yourself, continuing to learn, being empathetic, listening, all of these are really, really important skills when it comes to leadership. Thank you. That was, uh, you know, very different way of looking at things. And somebody who's an intentional practitioner of leadership, 
I think that's that adds a lot of credibility in terms of you know how do you process looking at leadership itself. So thank you for sharing those nuggets of wisdom for us. So Surabhi, I know you wear multiple hats. You know, being the chief impact officer, you know, focusing more about equity, focusing about leadership. You know, as an educator, how are all these hats connected? And what's the best hat of all? If I may ask. <laughs> It's hard to pick, you know, uh, for somebody who's multi-passionate and multi, uh, you know, multi-occupational in many ways, it's hard to pick a favorite. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, being a chief impact officer at Luminary is really about impact. It isn't just about having a community, but what impact are we having on people um, and our members? Are they growing their business? Are they uh, growing their friend network? You know, I think that's an incredibly important measure of success. Um, are people being able to have access to conversations and to people they wouldn't have had before? So that's that's really about the impact. And all of that, as you can tell, starts with people and knowing people and knowing what people want so that you can build programmatically things that the community is, um, is asking for and that the community is needing. As somebody who teaches, um, that is very much, as I was talking about before, part and parcel of being an educator and, and really for me, part of the public service. You know, part of the reason that I am so interested in public service leaders and people who will go on to shape policy and people who will go on to lead nonprofit organizations and social enterprises is because there is a sense of purpose and there is a sense for every individual that that purpose is bigger than themselves. And in teaching and in teaching people who have that sense of purpose, where there is a bottom line that is different than just money or in addition to money, there are other pieces, really does shape the future. And I think there is something to me about talking with people who are going to be running governmental organizations, running nonprofits, thinking about the most vulnerable and serving the most vulnerable populations, but having a sense of leadership in those spaces and management and the skills to manage and lead is incredibly, incredibly important. So I think about it as a ripple effect. So I may be teaching a certain number of people in a class, and those people are going to impact many, many, many more people. And so that's, for me, a lot of the public service piece. And then uh, I'm a board member at uh, Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work, and that is about the future of work. Same thing. How do we give access and how do we expose young people to the different things that they might do so that they can dream big? So how can you, as a child who maybe only has access to what your parents do, or maybe your, your only parent or your grandparent, whoever your caretaker is, how do we provide you all of these other resources to think about what you might be? Um, and that's about hope, but it's also about access. And so I think some of the things that really tie all of those pieces together are thinking about access. How do we give access to people when it comes to information, when it comes to people? Um, and part of that is we don't, we, we recreate the same if the same people are in the same conversations. Right. It's more like a clone of each other, right? Everybody thinks the same way. And I really love um, your work as Take Your Sons and Daughters uh, to Work because it, it gives them wider exposure uh, towards what's happening outside of the home or you know what their parents can actually share. So that's a really very interesting concept. It's more like 
bring a child to work uh, kind of a concept that we have in our organizations. So which is your favorite hat of all? <laughs> uh, oh, that's so hard. So I would say my favorite hat um, is, is maybe, uh, it's very hard to pick. I mean, it would be very easy for me to say my favorite hat is being a parent um, because in many ways that's all of the things, right? It is about the future, it is about service, it is about inculcating those values that I think are important to someone else. Um, so we'll go with that because it's very hard to pick which one <laughs> is my favorite. And the other thing that I, um, that I didn't get a chance to talk about is I also have um, a consultancy and in my consultancy I work with teams and organizations to help them work better together and again that's about that ripple effect because most of my clients are nonprofit or social impact organizations and I really believe that if we as a team as you as a unit are working well you're going to spread that love and it's only going to grow. Thank you so coming back to your consultancy work I know over the course of your career you've coached several hundreds and thousands of people, I should say, be job seekers, entrepreneurs, and small businesses to help them achieve success. What is the one thing that you've learned over this experience as you define success? Everybody's definition of success is unique to them. And so for some people, success is what we, I think, traditionally think about it, right? You have fame, you have money, you have this. For other people, success is really doing what's meaningful to them, really meaningful to them, and then they can leave their job and go be with their family. And for some people, success is something completely different. And so a lot of my conversations when I talk with job seekers or when I talk with small business owners is really that, you know, what is it that you want out of this experience? What matters to you? So for some people, it isn't the bottom line money number. It is a completely different bottom line. So I've talked with so many job seekers who say, for me, I want a job that I really care about and I go into and I give it all when I'm there and I leave and nobody bothers me after. And then I can do the rest of my projects. For other people, the job is really a means to an end, which is as long as it is not painful, and I'm getting the money that I need to allow me to build my business on the side, that's success. But you don't know unless you ask. And ask some of those probing questions around, what does success mean to you? What are you looking to do? What are your goals? How does this matter to you? Because if I went into every conversation and thought, oh, your ultimate goal is to be the CEO, your ultimate goal is to be the executive director, your ultimate goal is to be the commissioner, that's not my job to say. My job is to help the people I work with think about what that looks like. And that's on an individual level. Uh, we all need to know that. And I think even when we're thinking about a team, teams are made up of individuals. So what can you contribute? What are you uniquely positioned to contribute on your team? And how does that fit into your own views of work and meaning and purpose of what you want to be doing. And those are questions that I think a lot of people don't start with. A lot of people will start with, here's my, you know, particularly with the job seeker where a lot of my, my uh, career has been helping people get to their, to their next job is here's my resume. Can you look at it, mark it up? Here's my cover letter, mark it up and let's be done. But I think the conversation starts way before that. So I often say, all right, so back up. What are you using the resume for? What is of interest to you? 
What is it that you want to be doing? And what's your goal? And I think there's every, as long as you know your goal, that's okay. And if your goal is, I don't care if I'm miserable for the next two years because this job is going to make me the money I need to start the thing that I really want to do. Great. That's clarity. And so having that clarity of goal is super important. So Surabhi, if I may put you on the other side, asking you, how do you define success and what is your goal? What would that be? Yeah, uh, good, good question. Um, all the career coaches I know are, are often the, the hardest folks to answer these questions because we're so good at having the conversations with other people. For me, success is really what I said before around being an educator. I want the people around me to grow. I want them to thrive. I want to be a part of that whether that is as, as an official teacher, as an unofficial teacher, as a friend, as a support, as a colleague, as a catalyst to making a team work well together. Um, so I see a lot of my impact, my personal impact, is through the people that I work with. And so I am a conduit for making that happen and making the people around me successful. So for me, that's success. And the other piece of success is not, um, not putting my integrity on the line. So being able to speak my truth, and that means even when things are difficult and it's hard to have some of those conversations when you think that things are not running really well, but also knowing that for me, if I don't say anything, that I, that's going to eat away with me, at me on the inside. So success is both internal for me in terms of, of living my values and external in terms of helping the people around me succeed. Thank you. And one management tip that you would love to share with our listeners? A management tip. A tactical you know, management tip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's so much right, written about management and leadership. And there's a prevailing thought that management and leadership are different things. And um, if we go with that, we think about leading as about being about the people around you and managing is about managing the process. Um, so it's important to have both. If you're going to be a strong leader and you're going to work within an organization, you need to have both. Um, and so some of the processes in management that I think are important that we don't do well enough is feedback. And so making feedback, not just a once a year performance evaluation conversation, but a constant part of your culture. So what did we do well? What could we do differently? What's one thing that I might change? So these are all questions that we can normalize so that feedback and constant learning, which is what feedback allows us to do, becomes something that feels normal. And it doesn't make people nervous and get their shoulders up and feel a little bit like, I don't know what's gonna come, but that it's normal, that after a conversation or after a large event or after an initiative, that the process that you build into your management is reflective. What went well? What could we change moving forward? So that's as a group, but as an individual, what is it that I did well that I might want to continue? What is it that you all might want to see as a change? Or what do you see that's happening around me that you might say, I might not know about, but want to know about? Like these are questions that we can ask each other within a community, within a workplace that has trust, that can really help both individuals and the organization. That's absolutely true, Surabhi. And you know, the questions that you shared as part of feedback is something that we can apply in our day-to-day -day lives, not just professionally, but even personally, right? As a human being and a lifelong learner, what is the one thing that 
I could be better at? And is there another way I could have handled the situation? So those are things that, you know, we need to retrospect more as a gratitude feeling, you know, every day as you wrap up, uh, wrap up, you know, your day. So um, fun fact about Surabhi, Surabhi is someone who loves to cook and most important of all, enjoys to eat her cooked food as well. You know, Surabhi, that brings up an interesting, uh, you know, thing that my dad always says. He says, you got to do two, two things in life. One is to drink loads of water and the other is to eat well, no matter what's happening around you, because that helps you keep your emotional well-being, you know, really up to the mark. So tell us your love for cooking, dancing and eating as well. In the pandemic, I have to say that when people ask this question, and I'm sure a lot of people have asked you this question, you know, what is bringing you joy at, during during this time of pandemic and quarantine? And for me, it has really been cooking because it is not only for me a creative outlet. Sometimes it's a challenge to cook something that I haven't cooked before. Um, but it also has this instant gratification, which is, you know, not too long after you've started the project, you actually get to eat what you cooked. And that feels uh, really nice. And I, I think, you know, as somebody who likes that gratification and loves food, it has a win all around. Now, not everything I cook turns out great. Uh, and that's okay. You know, one of the things that I would say to people a long time ago, actually, a former student of mine said, I don't really like cooking. I'm afraid I'm going to fail at it. And I said, I live in New York. I said, so if you fail, you order a pizza and it's at your door, you know, and not too long afterwards, who cares? Who cares if you fail? Um, so for me, it's both this chance to be creative, to experiment. Um, and when the experiment goes well, it's such a good payoff because you're eating this lovely meal. And it doesn't have to be fancy, it doesn't have to be you know, some five course sort of thing, um, but there is, a, there is this immediate payoff. And certainly in time of pandemic where it, people don't get to go to their favorite restaurants and, and, and for me, especially in the early days of the pandemic, I wasn't getting takeout at all. Um, I thought, all right, so this is the world telling me there are certain things that you really like, and now you're going to figure out how, how to make them. Uh, and it's just a, it's a good way to be engaged with your hands, with, your, with all of your senses, really, as well as take it um, as, as something fun. And so the dance in the kitchen is really that I love music. And to be able to have the music on, to cook and dance a little bit while you are cooking, you know, just move around is really, really the best way to end a day. And then you end it with, with eating whatever you made. I'm really inspired by your passion for cooking. And as somebody who's developing my interest in um, enjoying cooking, you know, that's really important between just doing it for the sake of doing versus actually putting all your senses together and enjoying the experience of it. Uh, that's really a fabulous, uh, in a way of uh, sharing your experience. And to our listeners, you need to check out Surabhi on Twitter, Dance in the Kitchen, that's her handle, and you'll get to see a lot of sumptuous dishes that she cooks, so that gives you a sneak peek into the humane side of Surabhi as well. So thank you, Surabhi, for sharing those interesting facts about you. Now, we have a fun rapid-fire round for you. Are you ready for that? I am. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following, role model, my parents. My parents were career civil servants. So the public service also comes from them. 
how do you how do your parents feel about your success i think they're proud of me they haven't told me otherwise so we're going to go with that <laughs> that's how all asian parents are right <laughs> feedback from your parents especially <laughs> the best part about being a parent oh you fail every day and you learn something new every day and you at least for me i get a few minutes of pure un, unadulterated love every day and those few minutes make up for the rest of the day that can go in any which direction unconditional love from your kids <laughs> is definitely something that's unparalleled i totally agree with that um, i have a one year old so i i can feel what you're saying yeah and you know there's day, you go through all the emotions in a day i think as a parent you go through the am i am i doing enough am i good enough but then there's a moment or few minutes every day that you just get this pure wonderful love and you also learn every day cuz at least for me i i said when i became a parent if i don't fail every day i'm not doing something right and so if you can just embrace that as a all right this didn't go so well how do we try it again tomorrow um i think it's a way for me to be empathetic with myself as well empathy is a recurrent pattern <laughs> in everyday lives now tell me this surabhi has there ever been a low moment in your career so far that you can share with our listeners oh of course um so for me one of the lowest mo- moments was knowing that twice in my career i was the second choice for a position and i think the second choice for a position is hard it is harder than being not even in the running because you know you have the skills you know like i knew that if if i was your second choice i had the skills you thought i could do the job you thought that i could do the job well but there was somebody that you thought could do the job better and that causes a lot of questions about what is it and i think in particular at the times in my life where that happened some of my questions were around is it my skin color is it my background or do they think that i'm not going to fit and how are they defining fit um what does that bring up around culture around identity and so i think those are probably the hardest times that i've had because i knew that i was qualified and i knew that i would be able to do the job and i knew even in myself that i could do the job well and there was something holding me back um what i've turned that into really for a lot of job seekers is that sometimes it's not about you sometimes it's about the other person but it doesn't it doesn't mitigate the pain so what do you say to yourself when you are encountering those painful moments how do you come out of that <laughs> well i allow myself to be in the pain because i think that for me in particular if i don't feel that pain it's going to come out in other ways and so you feel the pain you get upset you're disappointed and then you move on and you think about if if somebody's willing to give you feedback um if an employer is willing to give you feedback you ask what is it that i could have done better what is it that you were looking for um you know if somebody has something that's about who you are in terms of your identity you can't really change that um and maybe the question is is that really where i want to be if i can't be myself and for me the answer is always no but it doesn't doesn't take away the sting of the disappointment but you kind of got to move on because that offer isn't on the table right now that's very true and there might be better opportunities waiting for you you know if you just 
move a step ahead and not just keep resenting about you know how things have turned um, turned around so far. So thank you for sharing those uh, moments in your life as well. Now our final question to you is: What is your native language, and one word to describe yourself in that language? So I grew up speaking Hindi and English. Um, wow, one word. What would I describe myself as? I don't know. This is a good question that I should ask all of my friends. How would they define me? I, yeah, I am I, stumped. I am stumped. I get um, stumping a professor. <laughs> I am stumped. What is one word? So I think one word in English that I would use to describe myself is congruent. So again, to the integrity piece, doing the things that I want to do, like I feel like that, that is one word. Um, in Hindi, I mean, as a kid, I was always a little bit of a bandar, which means a monkey. And I, I think that's probably still true. You know, I like to have fun. I like to, to play and be goofy. And I think there is, there is something about that lightness and playfulness that is important. That's really impressive. And I'm so glad you have that, you know, that childlike feeling inside you. So it, it keeps you bubbly and it spreads a lot of positivity. You know, that's the best part about speaking with you, Surabi. In the conversations that we've had so far, you know, I really feel your passion for authenticity, uh, leadership, empathy, equity. So those are, you know, the major parts that you're really passionate about. So that's one thing. And two, it's about, you know, how your childhood experiences really shaped you into being an emotionally intelligent and a strong woman who knows what she wants in her life. And three, and the best part about all is enjoying life, you know, be it your love for cooking, dancing, and having that enthusiasm in you, no matter, you know, how the situations around you are. So those are three important things that I really, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know you uh, through this conversation. Any parting thoughts to our listeners before we wrap up the show? I, I don't. I just want to thank you for the time and, um, and the conversation. It was lovely. Thank you. And that was Surabhi Lal, who's the Chief Impact Officer at Luminary, but also has multiple hats that she wears, be it as an educator, a leader, a consultant, a storyteller. I hope this conversation between Surabhi and me inspires and ignites a lot of conversations about leadership, empathy, and how we need to help each other succeed, especially during these turbulent times. So I hope those are some of the takeaways that all our listeners can benefit from. Until another episode with another interesting guest, this is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Startup Podcast, a podcast to spotlight Asian leaders and interesting allies. Thank you.